No, 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 no. Don't clap for that. Uh, you'll only encourage them to do more because whether you know it or not, they will be found again over this next few weeks. Um, hey, my name's Chris, and we do like to have fun here. We're so glad that you're here and uh, hope you've had a wonderful uh, holiday kind of season. And as the uh, video stated, we are beginning a brand new series today called Stay Positive. Because the reality is, is that for each one of us, the new year brings with it new opportunities. And for most of us, we're pretty pumped up, and we're excited, and we're positive about what's going to happen. But it won't be too long, folks, until there'll be some negativity, and maybe you've already experienced it so far, and we're only six days into it. And we can be very tempted to drift off into a negative, kind of critical way. But what if... In 2019, we just said we're not going there. What if, instead of going to negativity, we actually chose to stay positive all year long by living out six kind of biblical characteristics? And this is what we'll be doing over the next few weeks. Next week, I'm going to be talking about gratitude. In week three, we're going to talk about encouragement. Week four, we're going to talk about generosity. Week five, we're going to talk about enthusiasm. And week six, we're going to talk about positivity. And today, what I want to talk about is optimism. And I kind of titled today's teaching, I'm Optimistic. And so uh, let's just begin uh, today by encouraging one another. So if you would, look to the person beside you and repeat after me these words, I don't know about you, but I'm optimistic. Now look at the person who was your second choice, okay? And uh, say, I'm sorry, I like you too, okay? Let's let's not have any negativity, you know, like starting uh, this new year uh, together. Um, You know, it's crazy, but it's very easy for us to say I'm positive. It's much more difficult for us to actually live that out. Because we live in a world in which people are looking for opportunities to be critical and negative. Whether it's a politician or whether it's a pastor, negativity has a tendency to find people. It almost makes people feel better sometimes if they are incredibly negative. Like, hey, my life stinks. Well, it doesn't stink as bad as my life. And all of a sudden there's this like negative world that goes around, and we hear it from other people. Oh, the morals are just falling apart in our country. The school system stinks. The government, you can't trust them. You can't trust the church. You can't trust anybody. And teenagers, don't even get me started, okay? Because I'll tell you about teenagers, and I mean the whole world is going to hell in a handbasket, and something has got to change. Somebody's got to do something about it. Now, the truth is, folks, there is some negative, bad things that happen in the world. One of the worst things we can ever do as Christ followers is put our heads in the sand and somehow think that there aren't some negative, difficult things that happen in our lives. But, at the same time, I want you to know that God is doing some amazing things. You saw the video about lives that are being changed in this place. And it's not just in the jar, but throughout Muncie, Delaware County, East Central Indiana, the nation, the world, God is moving in some great ways. And it all determines on where you are looking. 
Haven't you ever noticed that before? That you will find whatever it is that you're looking for. That if you choose, you can find what you're looking for. Now, does anybody know what kind of a bird this is that comes on the screen? Anybody know what kind of bird that is? It's a buzzard, okay? And a buzzard, what does it do? Every single day, it finds dead things. Just dead things. It, it finds dead things. That's its purpose. Now, there's another kind of bird. What's this called? A hummingbird. Now, what does a hummingbird do every single day? It finds sweet things. It's like, oh, sweet, sweet. I love it. I love it. It's so sweet and wonderful. And this just goes to prove, folks, whatever you're looking for, you will find. Now, some of you are like, well, that's kind of a cheesy illustration, and you could do a better hummingbird than that bunch. Come on. But Scripture actually uh, is, is the uh, focus of what this means that we usually find what we're looking for. In Proverbs chapter 11, uh, verse 27, there's a guy by the name of Solomon who uh, wrote this book, and he's considered the wisest man uh, in the Bible outside of Jesus. And this is what he said. If you, what's it say? Yeah, if you search for good, you will find what? You'll find favor. But if you search for evil, what will happen? It'll find you. You see, folks, whatever it is that you are searching for, you will find it. And if you look for good things, you'll find those. If you look for bad things, evil things, negative things, you'll find that as well. Now, what I want you to understand is what I'm talking about today is not like some uh, pop psychology or some self-psychology, you know, just kind of, oh, begin your day and just think positive and you'll be positive all day long. But I'm talking about kind of a big idea that is based on Scripture and it's this. And you can write this down or you can do it on the app if you want to. Just go to the JAR app or to the app store and you can find it there. But here's our big idea. I'm not optimistic based on what I feel. I'm optimistic based on what God says. I'm not optimistic about what I feel or what I see or what is around me. I'm optimistic based upon who God is and what he says. So for the rest of our time, uh, just kind of rapid fire, so I want to give you six kind of uh, different ways that we could live our life and be optimistic, that I could be optimistic and you could be optimistic. Six kind of qualities uh, to live, characteristics. And uh, it's interesting, all of these are found in one book of the Bible, which may be the most, optic, uh, most optimistic uh, book in the Bible in Romans chapter 8. And so here's kind of the first reason why I can be optimistic and you can be optimistic. And here it is. My sins are forgiven and my eternity is secure. My sins are forgiven when I have a relationship with Christ, all of them. Past, present, future, they're all forgiven, and my eternity is secure. And Paul writes these words. He says, therefore, there is now, what's the next two words? With a smile on your face. No condemnation. Some of you are not smiling. You're like, no condemnation. Welcome to church. Okay, let's say it again. No condemnation for those who are, what's it saying? In Christ Jesus, because 
through Christ, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For those of you who call on Christ and you believe in Him and you follow Him, you're here because you've been made new in Christ and all of your sins are forgiven and you can have a sense that your eternity is secure. Now, I don't know about you, but I have been forgiven of a lot. Anybody else uh, been forgiven of a lot? Like, like I've been forgiven a boatload. Not just a boatload, like a Navy fleet of sin, okay? Like, you could go to a Navy fleet, and, and every one, all you would say is, yep, that's when Bunch messed up, that's when Bunch messed up, that's when he flubbed up, that's when he screwed up, that's him. I have done that. That's my sin. And therefore, what makes me incredibly optimistic is that because of the goodness of God, He sent His Son who died on a cross, who took on all of His, all of my sin on His shoulders, and now I stand free and my eternity is secure. Now, here's the second reason why we can be optimistic. is because Jesus is at the right hand of God praying for me. Jesus is at the right hand of God praying for each one of you. How do we know this? Paul says this, Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the what? Right hand of God, and he is also interceding for us. Now, what's that word interceding mean? Well, it's a very, very good word, and what it means is that Jesus is praying for you. He is in deep prayer at the right hand of the Father. Now, I don't know if you've ever experienced this before, but maybe you've been prayed for by someone who comes up to you, and they're a very spiritual person. And when they pray, you just like really believe this is going to happen. Now, for me, uh, there's a guy in my life by the name of Gilbert Romero. I met him 20 years ago in East Los Angeles. He was a former drug dealer and gang member whose life got turned upside down and gave his whole life to Christ And when he did, um, he actually then started pursuing the pastoral ministry. And uh, the church that he pastors is in East L.A., one of the toughest neighborhoods in East L.A., and he started a recovery program for men and women who were battling with drug abuse. Now, I grew up in a very traditional church where uh, there wasn't a lot of hands raised, there weren't very many amens, people didn't move, Sometimes my dad had to say, hey, everybody, take a pulse. He wanted to know if anyone had, you know, died, like right in the middle of everything. But when I went to Gilbert's church for the first time, I mean, the walls were like shaking. And when he prays for you, and he's prayed for me many different times, but when he prays, it's like the heavens open up, and he binds the things that are bad, and he loosens the things that are good, and he shouts at the devil, and like the devil runs. I mean, I would run if Gilbert yelled at me, you know. And sometimes, because he's Hispanic, he'll start praying in English and then Spanish and back to languages I don't even know. And so when I started seminary at Anderson School of Theology, I was really struggling with knowing how to get beyond the fear that I was going to fail because I'd been out of school. And Gilbert was in Indiana. I said, hey, I need you to to pray for me. He said, I'll do better than that. I'll actually come to where you're at. And so he came to Anderson, Indiana, where my dad was a pastor of a church there. And he took me to this back room, and all of a sudden he said, we're going to pray. And then he started going to work. He said, I'm putting my hand on your shoulder. 
And he put his hand right on my shoulder. And it wasn't like a regular hand. It was like a powerful hand. And it was warm. And all of a sudden, I'm like, whoo, that feels good. And then all of a sudden, he put his other hand up, almost like trying to find the satellite of God, you know? And he finds it. And all of a sudden, he starts praying. And he prays for fear to leave. And he's praying in Spanish and English and languages I had never even heard of before. And he's praying for all of this. And all of a sudden, I'm telling you, the fear left. It absolutely went away. And for that rest of that year, I did not battle a spirit of fear. Now, this is what I want to tell somebody here today. Gilbert Romero is not praying for you. Jesus Christ is. He's actually sitting at the right hand of the Father right now. And he's got God's ear. And he's saying, you know what they're going through. You know what's going on. And they're praying, God, hear, hear what's going on with Sally. Hear what's going on with Sam. Hear what's going on. And he's praying for each individual person that's here today. And that's a reason, folks, why I start off the new year being full of optimism because God is present and he is interceding. Jesus Christ is interceding, praying for me. Here's the third thing. My mind is filled with the peace of God. My mind is filled with the peace of God. Scripture says this, the mind controlled by the flesh is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life And what's it say? Yeah, peace. A real sense of peace. To those of you who are Christ followers, I want you to know this, that your mind does not have to be controlled by your flesh. It doesn't have to be controlled by negative thoughts. Your mind can be renewed and transformed every single day. And how does that happen? Folks, it happens when you pick this book up And you allow God's words to actually penetrate your mind. And you think of things above and not things below. Because this book, folks, many of you are intimidated because you've been to a church or you've been with a pastor who was really negative about the Bible because he would beat it like this and go, you're all going to hell. And you in the balcony, you're joining them. And all of a sudden you're like, well, I don't want to read that because it's scary. Folks, this is not a book to beat you down. It's a love letter from God who lets you know that He can give you peace. He can help you have your mind transformed so that you don't go through a year with negative thoughts, but you go through a year of having optimism and a sense of positivity. That even when you're challenged, because again, we can't keep our you know heads in the sand. Bad things happen sometimes. But even when we're challenged by that, when we're in the middle of it, I've seen people who are connected to God, and some of you are those people. I've seen it before. You've gone through some horrible things before, and people will come up to you and they'll say, hey, how are you so calm? I mean, how is it you're not so overwhelmed and and discouraged by what's going on in your life? And in a real way, you're able to tell them, well, I want you to know it's not because of me, but it's because my relationship with God, and He gives me a peace this world doesn't know and this world can't take away and some of you are going through big things I talked with a woman this week she was diagnosed with cancer great spiritual woman and she's diagnosed with cancer I was talking to a guy this week who had uh, battled drug abuse and he's 
He's been clean for six weeks now, but he's not fully sure he's going to be able to stay on this path. And you could see the big thing. But sometimes, folks, it's not the big, gigantic things that hit our lives, but it's the small things. Uh, a couple of Sundays ago, it was the Sunday before Christmas Eve. I stood on this very stage. I gave my best for two messages. Some of you are like, eh, you could do better. You know, I understand. But I did the best I could for two messages, and then I was done, and my wife and I, we went to the Colts game, and we saw them win, and then they win yesterday too. Uh, go Colts, right? Some of you celebrate Colts more than Christ. But anyways, let's go on. Just joking, just joking. Hey, uh, and so uh, I, was, I came back from that Colts game, and I was exhausted and tired, and I was ready to just be done. And my wife goes, hey, honey, remember, we made a commitment as a family that we were going to go to all of our neighbors and invite them to the Christmas Eve service, and then we were going to give them some Concanon's bread. And I looked at her, and I was like, are you serious, woman? Do you know what I've done? And all of a sudden, this complaining, negativity, everything starts just flying out of me. And she's like, honey, uh, we've got to do this. I go, well, you can do it. I'm not doing it. And she's like, well, if we don't do it, honey, the bread's going to go bad. Like everything, you know, uh, it's not going to work. And I'm like, I don't care. I'm not doing it. And then this is what my wife, my lovely wife, Jennifer, uh, said to me. She said this. Now, again, folks, remember, I'm preacher boy who stood up here on that day and said, all of you should invite somebody. And I felt like, well, I'd invited 25 people. I'm not going to invite my six neighbors. I've done my part. And this is what my wife said. Chris, why don't you change your attitude? And why don't you actually think that when you go out, you could have the peace of God regardless of how tired you are. And maybe, just maybe, this will only take 10 minutes, but maybe one of our neighbors would actually come and their life would be changed for eternity. And I looked at that woman and this is what I said. I said, why don't you stop preaching at me and you preach tomorrow? <laughs> no, I didn't really say that. I didn't really say that. I, I wanted to say that, okay, but I didn't. But, but you see, Jen was absolutely right. And even though I was exhausted, once she helped me, like, change my perspective, and I started looking up, all of a sudden there was a peace, and I wasn't so tired, and we were able to go to our neighbors. They, a couple of our neighbors actually invited us, like, right into their home, which doesn't happen with neighbors very much. And they walked, uh, when we walked in, and we actually just had a blast of being able to connect with them. Because this is the truth, folks. I can be optimistic because I have the peace of God within me. Here's the fourth reason why I can be optimistic, and you can too. If God is for me, who can be against me? If God is for me, who can be against me? Uh, Paul actually says these exact words starting in verse 31. He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Now, let's call it like it is. Who can be against us? A lot of people, right? I have a feeling some of you right now, you're like, you have an a image, my co-worker, that's somebody, or a neighbor, or a family member, or a friend. You can think of lots of people who are against you, but there is one person who will never be against you, and that is God himself. In fact, you could go through every single day for this whole year, beginning your day with this sentence and what you say, 
God is for me. That God is for you. God's for you. God is for me as I face this new year. God is for me as I face this difficult situation. God is for me as I face this difficult relationship. God is for me as I face this person who I work with. I mean, every little sentence that you could think could begin with, God is for me, God is for me, God is for me. Everything in your life, no matter what it is, you can begin with the sentence, God is for me. And how do we know this? Because God proved it. Two weeks ago, we celebrated it. He was in heaven, all was going well. He had been there from the beginning of time. And he said, I'm going to come and I'm going to leave heaven and I'm going to come and I'm going to take on all of their sins and I'm going to teach them about how to love each other and I will die on a cross, but three days later I'll rise again so that they would have security. And the reality is today you've received this message. You'll leave from here regardless of what else. I want you to know that God is for you. But the reality is you have some co-workers, neighbors, friends, family members who are beginning the new year and they're beginning with this feeling that the world is against me. And they're longing for just one person, just one person who would reach out to them and say, hey, why don't you come with me to church and we could kind of learn about this God who is for us. And so in each of your programs, you received a little card like this. And I want to challenge you that I'm going to have a good attitude this week, okay? And so I'm going to invite people. And I want you to do the same thing. And just to invite them to the fact that they might be able to come next week. And for some of you, you can just take a picture of that. Some of you have, have already, you know, gone off into la-la land anyway. So just take a picture of that. And, and, you know, come back and text it to somebody. You can text it right now. Take the picture and then text. Hey, Chris, our church is doing a cool series called Stay Positive. Would you be open to coming next Sunday? And then wait for them to respond. And you could be the change agent for that person. Or if you want, you can go on our JAR Facebook page. And if you want to do that, do that. But you could be the change agent for that person this year. And their life could be changed. Here's the fifth thing of why I can be optimistic, and you can too, and it's this. God is working everything in my life for good. The Scripture says this. And we know that in, what's the next word? How many things? All things. Now, the New Testament is written in Greek uh, originally. And so they translate it. And do you know what in Greek the word all means? Say it louder. Yeah, like all. You don't have to be a Greek scholar, just shout it out. You know, it means all, everything. All the good things, all the bad things, all the in-between things, all the things in your life that you are glad that happened, all the things in your life that you wish wouldn't have happened, all things, no matter what they are, the thing that's driving you crazy right now, he says, all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. All things, he's doing that. Folks, there is not a thing that happens in your life that God is not willing to eventually, through His goodness, transform into something that is 
eventually beautiful and brings glory to Him. And I'm telling you, for some of you, you can look back on your life. And years and years ago, you looked at something, you're like, this is the worst thing ever. Maybe it was a divorce. Maybe it was an addiction. Maybe it was the death of somebody. Something that's really, really bad. And you can look back and you go, that was horrible. And it was at that time. But then all of a sudden you go forward and you look back on that thing that was so bad. And between that point and where you're at today, you're like, God has been so faithful. And He's done so many amazing things in my life and through my life because He is a good God. And folks, He's working, I'm telling you, even when you don't see it. Now this might be kind of a weird illustration uh, to explain this, but I want to do my best to weird you out, okay? So uh, my wife is a uh, physician, as some of you know, and I'm sure many of you right now are thinking, she, she married him? Like, like, bunch you married way up. I get it, I get it. But uh, after medical school, what happens is then you actually apply for residencies. So whatever your specialty is, that's what you do. And these residencies are recruiting machines. They want to get as many residents as they can to actually come and to be a part of that. And so uh, this one particular residency, uh, the way that they tried to really um, make it rev up is they actually uh, took you out to a really fancy restaurant. And so we go to this really fancy restaurant, and Jen's like, don't embarrass me, Chris, okay? And so we sit down at this table, and all of a sudden there's these four forks to my left. And I already look at her, I'm like, I don't know which one to use. She's like, just follow me. I said, okay. So we start doing this kind of thing, and the food was amazing. It was great. It was like an amazing meal. And then all of a sudden we would be done with one course, and they'd bring the next thing, and there was a guy uh, I never saw him the entire time because I'd be talking to someone and there was this guy, there was a curtain beside us who would jump out with one of these uh, instruments called a breadcrumber and he would like scrape off all of the crumbs of bread off and then he'd jump back like to a dive back into the curtain. And so after I kind of felt, you know, like you feel someone's presence and you're like, what's up? I just started staring at the curtain. And the guy never came out. But then all of a sudden, when the next course came, and I wasn't paying attention, I was talking to somebody else, the breadcrumber would come out, and he'd get all the bread off, and he'd, like, you know, do a dive back into the curtain. Now, here's the truth, folks. He was doing something. He was working. He was serving. He was getting all the bread off the tablecloth. But I never saw the guy. But he was doing something. And folks, the reality is, of our God is the same way. The reality is, our God is the same way. You may not feel Him. Sometimes you may not see Him. Sometimes you may not think that He's working. But by faith, I'm telling you that He is there. And faith tells us that we can trust Him because He knows the beginning from the end Long before tomorrow even happens, he's already been there and he already knows that and he knows how things are going to work out and he is amazingly good and he loves you so much that he wants what is best for you. And I hope this is speaking to someone maybe that walked in today struggling to think if they could just make it. There is a God and the thing that is crushing your life the most that is there and one day you'll see his faithfulness if you stay connected. 
I can be optimistic because God is amazing. He is still working good in my life even when I can't see it. Here's the last thing. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. You can be optimistic. I can be optimistic because nothing will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. In fact, Paul kind of gives these powerful words in uh, Romans 8, verse 38. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Folks, no matter what you're going through, God is there. No matter what happens in your life, God is for you. No matter what you do, God still loves you because His love for you is not based upon what you do, but it's because of His amazing love that He gives easily because it's His nature to love. And maybe the single most optimistic thing you could do today or through this week to make sure that the whole year has a positive kind of optimistic track is to ask God for one word in your life that will direct you for the next year. And uh, with that word, you might find then a verse that kind of goes with this. We've done this the past few years. And um, uh, people always will come up to me and say, hey, you know what, are we going to do that one word thing because it changed my life. And I've, I've done words like to know God more and trust and different things. But this year I was praying, and this is what I felt like God was giving to me. This word, abide. And it means to remain, to stay closely connected, to settle in for the long term. And so I looked at that word, and then I looked through my Bible, and I found a verse that went through it. It's in uh, John 15, 4, and it says this, Abide in me, and I will abide in you. That God wants to stay closely connected to me as I stay connected to Him, that He's my best friend. And I want more of God in my life in 2019 than I ever had in 2018. And to be able to do that, I must stay as closely connected to Him as a branch is to a tree or a vine is to a vineyard, that I stay connected to Him. So my question for you this morning is, what is your word? What is your word? Well, I'm telling you, if you want a God-breathed word, you've got to listen to him. You've got to take some time this week, maybe 10 minutes where you just pull aside and you just ask the question that I asked. God, what word, what positive, optimistic word do you want to give to me for 2019? And you write that word down. And if you have to, if you're not sure about like where that could be at the Bible, just Google. You can Google anything. Just, you know... Whatever the word is. And maybe for some of you, you have different words. Maybe your word isn't abide, but maybe your word is one of these words. Maybe it's trust or seek or give or simplify. And you could just go ahead, take that word, Google it, and say the Bible and simplifying, the Bible and giving. And there'll be verses that come up, and then you can write that down. And then put this word somewhere. There's a place for you to put it in your program. But put it somewhere where you'll actually be focused on it. Maybe for some of you it's in your car on your dash. Maybe for some of you you want to get your lipstick out, ladies, and put it on a mirror. You know, your word. 
Maybe for some of you, you're so bold, you're like, I'm going to the tattoo shop. If you do that, it's okay with me, okay? Just do it. Just don't charge the jar, uh, you know? Just do it yourself. And uh, this is what I do each year. I have a nightstand beside me, and I put it uh, in a frame, my word, and then the scripture, abide, abide in me as I abide in you. And when I went to bed last night, I looked at that and I said, God, even while I'm sleeping, I want to be able to do this. So I want to encourage you this week to think about what is your one positive word that could direct your life and to find a verse that could direct you into this new year. And this is what I know, because we've seen it happen with so many people in the jar. That if you take that word seriously and you allow it to direct you, 2019 could be the most positive year of your life. And so, this week, when people come up to you, and they're like, the world's falling apart. My life stinks. Everything's just horrible. You can just turn to them and go, hey, 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 yeah, I know there's some negative stuff. But I'm just refusing to have that perspective. I'm going to be optimistic no matter what because I don't believe my good God will live that kind of negativity. And maybe for some of you, you could actually say what I've learned to believe is that I'm optimistic not because of what I feel or say or what's going on in my life right then, but I'm optimistic because of who God is and what He says. And you can look through all of those different characteristics in Romans 8. And maybe you could just make a commitment to say today to say, I'm going to choose the goodness of God. When the other people around me want to be buzzards, and they're seeking out and trying to find dead things, I'm going to be a hummingbird. And I'm going to find the sweetness and the goodness of the things in my life because my God is an incredibly, incredibly good God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for being present with us today. I thank you for every single person who's sitting in a seat. It's not by accident that they're here today, but you brought them for a purpose. And God, I thank you so much that within just one book of the Bible that there could be so many words of optimism for us. And God, we know though that as we go into this week, maybe even as we walk out of the theater today that we're going to be hit by negativity. And so God, when we're tempted to to kind of get sucked into that, I pray that you would help us remember what we have learned today. And God, I pray for each person who takes the time to pull aside 10 minutes this week and ask you that you would give them a word of optimism and a verse of optimism that would guide their life. You know, I was thinking that maybe for some of you, you're here for the first time or you drifted away and now you've kind of drifted back. And the reality is, as you sit here on this first Sunday of the new year, you're like, I need to surrender my life to God. I mean, it hasn't been working the way that I'm trying to do it. I mean, all I'm doing is being a buzzard and find dead things and negative things. And God, I want to be different. I want to look different. I want to act differently. 
And the truth is that you never have to be alone. Now, for some of you, you might say, well, I've never been too optimistic that God would want a relationship with me because of my past, because of what I've done, because of who I am, that he wouldn't want to forgive me or love me. Folks, every single one of us in this auditorium today have done some wrong things, including the guy on the stage. But Romans 8 is very clear that God will forgive and love and give new life to anyone who would surrender to him. So today on this first Sunday of the new year, if you're ready to say, yes, I need your forgiveness. Yes, I need your grace. Yes, I need your optimism. Today by faith, I'm surrendering my life to you. I give my life to you because it doesn't work any other way that if you're that person, I just want you to hold up your hand for a second. The lights are out. No one can see. Just hold it up and say, God, sometimes just publicly we need to say something to you and we lift it up today and we say, God, I'm surrendering my life to you. Maybe you've drifted away from God and you would just say, you know what? Today, God, I'm actually renewing my life to you. I want to live a new life in 2019. And as you put your hand down, I'm just going to invite you to repeat this prayer after me. And here at the jar, we never pray alone. We always pray in community so that none of us goes and walks this alone. And so I just invite you to repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you the rest of my life. I'm optimistic because you are a good God. And today I belong to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.